There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When I was a little kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 80s in Sydney, which is generally regarded as the wild west of law enforcement. A terrifying time to be a cop or a criminal or just to be in Sydney full stop. And I, one day, stumbled upon his case files and they absolutely ruined me. So years later, I approached dad and we went through his old case files together and it became a book, Loose Units. It's in stores right now, actually. And now we're doing a podcast about it. Loose Units, the podcast, is a weekly true crime podcast where I sit across from my dad, an ex-cop from the 80s, and we dive deep into the seedy underbelly of Sydney's policing. So we're doing this podcast down here in Collingwood every week at Castaway Studios together, and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the final episode of season one of Loose Units, the podcast. I know that I've said that before, but this time it's it's true. We will be back, obviously, um, very, very soon with more Loose Units. Uh, so, you know, you can relax. But for this final episode of season one of Loose Units, the podcast, Dad and I have a whole bunch of stuff to talk to and the clock is ticking. So I guess we should start. Dad, how do you feel about having reached uh, the end of the first season? I'm really, really happy. It's been... It's full on. You're not meant to be happy. You're meant to be devastated. It's um, over. No, well, I'm I'm happy because I know we're going to do another season. Okay, great. But the thing is, it, it's it's full on. I mean, flying to Melbourne, for example, to do these, that's that's fairly full on. Well, yeah. Um, And I love Melbourne. I love it. Sure. You I love don't... the National Gallery of Victoria, which yeah. actually should be the National Gallery of Australia. It used to be. The one in Canberra's, sorry, it's just not up to scratch. Now, I don't know how many listeners we have in Canberra, um, but Canberra is... A silly place. Let's plough on into the crime stories. We've got quite a bit to get through. First up, uh, we are going to talk about, you've just told me, cleaning Mossman police stations. Mm. Okay. So, here's a little story out of the annals of my police career that is, again, slightly weird. Uh, it'll it'll show the listeners, it will demonstrate to you all the, the culture <laughs> just, of the day. And Paul's got no idea about this story. I don't, but I do like the fact that it's so cute that you do little blurbs for this. St- it's like you sell the story before you tell the story. No, but I, I, you know, I, I really believe in this and I, I'm surprised, I guess, that more people haven't spoken about, about this. Not this in, in, in necessarily, but, you know... Th- when I look back on my time in the police force, I, I used to see things fairly regularly that, that struck me at the time as being uh, weird, uh, immoral, mm. corrupt, just plain wrong. And some of them 
were just so blatantly bad. And and here's a little story about when I worked at Mossman. Now, it might not sound like a big story. And in a way, it doesn't have a lot to do with policing. (laughs) It might not be relevant. It might not be interesting. It might not even be illegal. But God damn it, I'm going to dedicate 15 minutes of this podcast. No, no, but it's a great. All right, well, you be the judge, Paul, and, and, and let the listeners decide. Sure. So, Mossman Police Station. Now, here's a little bit of... Uh, I'm not sure whether I've mentioned this to you, but Mossman Police Station, which was a substation of North Sydney. Yes, you mentioned that in the book, yes. Great. So, Mossman... Uh, so, North Sydney had the paddy wagon... Uh, six one, six two, six three. Yep. And um, Mossman was six ten, six eleven, and it was in an old house. Have I ever told you the story about the house, Paul? It used to operate. It was like a sort of a um, a late Victorian beautiful home in Mossman. Are you describing the show Heartbeat, where he operated out of a small beautiful house? Well. No, but that's what it was like. Oh. It was a beautiful period home. It had fireplaces and beautiful um, mantle clocks over the... I mean, it was really quite weird. That's and quaint. it had antique furniture. Sure, okay. So, basically, there was... And it didn't operate night shift. It only was the day shift and the afternoon shift. Well, and it had it, no detectives. Well, because at night, someone lived there by the sound no, of no, it. No, no one lived there. They'd really? shut it down. They'd close the door at 11 o'clock and everyone would just go home. Any bedrooms? And it was there? empty. And it was a proper house. Oh, that's so. Cute. So here's here, here's a little uh, a little story that uh, not many people will know. Across the road, yeah, from Mossman Police Station lived a judge, and he had some clout. And when he found out that Mossman Police Station was not opening um, at night time, yeah, he. Uh, obviously made a few phone calls to the then powers that be. And so basically they, they were even considering shutting the station down. It was so old and antiquated. Right. So what he did, he he made calls to the right people and they did a complete multi-million dollar refurbishment, brought in detectives, highway patrol, and did a refurb and made it 24 hours because he lived opposite. Hang on, why would he... Want more? He people. wanted to feel safer between the wee hours. You with me? Kind of. Yeah. Well, don't you? Wouldn't you feel more secure if you lived opposite a police station that was open twenty four hours a day? Not really, because then there'd be all sorts of criminal elements not, being brought in there. Nah, not at Bossman. Pretty quiet station. So it was a really quiet station, right. and he and because of his political influence, anyway. So, so it became a magnificent, beautiful. Oh, the interior, the toilets, the. You know, it was just state of the art. So much money was put into it. Yeah. And there was a particular officer in charge at Mossman Police Station, and I definitely won't be mentioning him, his name. And through some mysterious uh, method, he managed to get get ready for this, the cleaning contract for Mossman Police Station. Now, what does that mean? It means that he's in charge of the cleanliness, the lawns, the vacuuming, the, the cleaning, the toilets, everything. And he would have been picking up a sizable sum, annual sum, mm-hmm. for doing all the work. So we used to come in on the night shift and guess what? You can guess what I'm going to say, can't you? He got us, the constables, to do all the station cleaning. Holy shit. So we'd be there cleaning toilets 
Uh, so a couple of things that I had a problem with. Firstly, that's not why I joined the police force. No, you you want to clean up crime, not poo. Correct. And secondly, that was good, Paul. <laughs> and secondly, um, secondly, yeah, uh, he was benefiting financially, he and his wife, uh-huh. from this amazing contract. He was getting all us to be the lackeys. And while we were doing that and getting no thanks, no money, no nothing for it, no kudos, no nothing, we weren't out there doing what I was there to do, which was, call me controversial, policing. Mm. And that went on for years. And he, he did very nicely out of it. But the weird thing is also he never even gave any of us uh, workers <clears throat> anything. He no, no money, no beer, no, 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 nothing. <laughs> Those are the two. In options. fact, I don't even think he thanked us. Um, and he, he tried to con us all into thinking that that was actually part of the job. Sure, of being a police officer R- at Mossman builds moral fortitude or some crap. It's weird. Why, why did you say Bill? I said builds. Oh shit! Sorry. No, that's all right. I'm keeping that in. Good. Love yep. it. There we go. Shady. So listen. Um, I mean, at what point did you find out that? No, no, I knew all along. How did you know all along? It was common knowledge. How is it common knowledge? People spoke about it. Openly, yeah, right. So it was like, listen, you're going to have to clean the toilets, just so you know he's getting and paid vacuum for this. and do everything. That's f- anyway. At the same time, there was a particular police officer that, not sure whether I hope he he ever listens to this podcast. He probably won't. This particular police officer, <clears throat> a male, has gone on to great things in the police force. Yeah, and at the time, he was lazy. He treated the job as a complete joke. And get ready for this: he wore slippers and a dressing gown when he used to work. Behind the counter. That's kind of a boss move in my at opinion. Most, at, at, at Mossman Police Station. Right. So he was, uh, uh, I, I, I thought it was a joke. I mean, that sounds adorable to me. No, it's stupid. Right. You don't want to be comfortable mm. when you're at work? You know, when you put on a, like a policeman onesie? Look, that is insane. Ever get into some flannelette? But the weird thing is that he's gone on to great things, so right. I rest my case. So maybe that, <laughs> maybe that actually aided his police acumen. Maybe you're it's a bit just too... so laughable. I just don't. I mean, the the uniform thing. How important is the uniform to the job? Well, it's the uniform. You don't come into a police station expecting <clears throat> someone to be wearing an Onkaparinga dressing gown, wait, and matching slippers. Yeah, how do you wait? Were they at least blue and white? And no, white? they weren't. They were like that brown one you used to have when you were little. Wait, are you? T- was I? A- you love dressing gowns. Did he have my dressing gown? Not yours, but similar. Well, look, Dad, it's raining today, um, which segues pretty neatly into the... Is it really raining? It's really raining outside, yeah. <clears throat> I thought it had rain on the roof before. Yeah, yeah that's right. Hopefully it didn't. Um, the speakers didn't pick it up. But you've also told me you had a case that is titled simply Man in the Rain. Mm, Does that yeah. ring a bell? <clears throat> yeah, that was pretty heavy. So at the North Sydney Detective's Office, um, I went in there one night and I actually can't believe I haven't told you this story, but they were doing a record of interview with a pretty bad guy. And one of the detectives, very senior detective sergeant, who was um, hadn't been at the station that long, mm. had a bit of a fierce reputation. Right. So there were sort of urated detectives on how, well, I did anyway, on how shit scared I was of them. Right. You know, Do you have any other uh, adjectives to describe uh, different uh, points on the scale of, uh, of um, how scared you were? For- well, 10's the worst. But what, would, where does, what number <clears throat> is fierce? Fierce? Yeah. You said he was fierce. What number is fierce on the scale? It's pretty well near the highest. Right, like an eight or a nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Pretty, okay. pretty scary type of guy. Sure. And where was, uh, like, how far down was dressing dressing gown and slippers? Not even a zero. Oh, he's got, no, he's got to be on the scale somewhere. No, nothing. He was not a detective. He was in uniform. Okay. So, no. 
So you've got uniform. There were scary uniform guys. Right. Super scary. Yeah. Um, have I told you? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that one. But um, so one night it was it was pissing down and it was one of those incredible torrential nights in Sydney where the water was just flowing down the drains mm. and they were conducting a record of interview with this guy that I would describe if you had to rate him out of 10 in terms of badness as opposed to the detective. This yeah. guy was maybe a five Okay. on the scale of... Badness. What's the conversion rate for the bad guy scale? Exactly the same. Exactly the They're same. Both one to ten. Right. So a, a so a ten a ten detective is rotten to the core. <laughs> it's the same as a as a, as a rancid rotten to the core crim. They're no, all the same. I mean, saying, you could argue that the police scale should actually be worse because they're police, which is actually... This sounds like two nerds arguing about D&D dice rolls, but okay, right. So the crim sitting at a five on the agility scale, right? No? Yeah, pretty bad guy. Yep. And they're doing the record of interview. And, and you know, the whole thing about a record of interview is to get as much information as you can about you know crimes um, that this person has or has not committed. Sure. So a lot of a lot of preparation, a lot of a lot of hard work. You've got you know the good guy, the bad guy, and in this case, the bad guy was the detective sergeant. Now, for whatever reason, I was over there, and I'm in uniform. Maybe I was just taking shelter from the rain, the rain yeah, because it was about a you know a 200 meter walk back to the to the station. Is this the same uh, detective building that we've talked about in Lucia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, just up 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 the highway. Sure. And this uh, particular detective sergeant, he got up from his chair. They obviously weren't happy with the way the interview was progressing, so they've thought, you know, we need to sort of, you know, get a bit of action happening, get a bit – let this guy know that, you know, we're not happy with his answers. Mm. So we want him to maybe, you know, fess up to a few more things. So the detective sergeant got up, went to the back <clears throat> of the chair and grabbed this guy by the scruff of the neck. <clears throat> they took him uh, outside <clears throat> and I've I've said to you that we've got this – <coughs> Sorry, we've got this situation where um, you okay? No, <laughs> got a touch of the plague. Yeah, have some water, you silly thing. Thank you. I'll have some too. Mm. This show is sponsored <clears throat> by water. Um. Mm. Anyway, so I'm standing inside the office, taking shelter from the rain, and I'm looking outside, which is the same window that I used to look out to see those detectives with their beautiful prestige cars on the weekends. Oh, callback! Thank you. The ones that I described as a, a Richtermalian car yard. That's right. And the scene that unfolded before my very eyes was so um, terrifying mm. and real. So that began, that just reinforced the fact that you were working with some pretty scary people. Sure. Uh, and criminals. Yeah. So, but you're implying that the police were scarier. Yeah, than, yeah, yeah. Okay. Some of them were absolutely scary. Right. And to do that in front of uh, a uniformed police officer, he, he didn't give a rat's ass. Because the culture was that you know, no matter what you saw, you'd never say anything. Just to be clear, you have um, not told me what they're doing. No. Can you? I'm going to. Because you talked about it as if it was as if we passed that moment in time. No, no. I just want I'm, – I'm, for effect, I'm you know, creating – trying to create that, that sensation of me looking through big glass windows sure. at a scene that's about to unfold. I- <laughs> <laughs> how the sausage is made, and sometimes there's horse meat in the sausage. All right. So uh, he had an offsider, the detective, and they went over to the drain, and the water was absolutely. Have you ever seen in a storm the way the water goes down stormwater drains? You mean have I seen rain? Have you seen? <laughs> yes, I've seen. What are you talking about? Have you seen the flow of water 
in a storm the way it goes down a stormwater drain? <laughs> yes, I have. Okay, good. Well, one of the detectives reached down and removed the grill from the stormwater drain oh, and think- they fed the guy into the drain. Oh, my God. And then they put the grill back over. No. Oh, yeah. They gave him the it treatment. Well, I'm watching this and I expected when they removed the drain, he'd be gone, Just obviously. A, sing- a single red balloon would float out. Just gone. So, hey, my question is, so it's, it's right. I, first of all, I would like to retroactively apologise for any flippancy because this is horrifying. So mm. it's like flood situations. Yeah. Water is... Because the thing about Sydney over Melbourne is um, those storms get flash tropical. Yeah, yeah, flash incredible. floods, right? Uh, and North Sydney is very hilly. Yep. So there's water just absolutely just, just bucketing down. Mm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. They lift the grill off. Yep. Which is no, which is no mean feat. No. So if you sometimes see, occasionally, um, I've seen it twice that I recall where people have dropped rings or coins of yep. some value. And they're asking people, can they possibly help them remove these cast iron grates? But they're incredibly heavy. Yes, they are, and they're rough, and they have, like, you know, and it's, and it's and it's a big thing. So, how big is the guy, by the way, physically? Just big? a normal, a normal guy, um, right. you know, just a normal um, man. Uh, obviously, he was in there for a reason, and um, not in the drain for a reason. He was in the <laughs> well, in custody for a reason. So listen, and um, uh, but the, the most terrible thing I remember was seeing him being forced into the drain. Was it head first, feet first? Feet first. Right. And I remember I could see his fingers come through and he was clinging on to to the grate because if he had have let go, he would have been washed away and drowned and and that's the end of him. And they were obviously shouting out to him various things yeah. and then they uh, pulled the drain, reopened the drain and they dragged him out and this guy was shitting himself and they just dragged him back inside and they just threw him down onto this chair and he saturated and then they recommenced the record of interview as though nothing had happened. Needless to say, from what I could gather, is that he was more than compliant and probably admitted to lots of things he hadn't done. Right. Now, it needs to be explained, and I've touched on this topic before, that at the end of a record of interview, you've got the good guy, the bad guy, and... Generally, the junior guy is doing the typing, mm. and he's typing away, and then they ask those fabulous four questions. Do you recall those questions? Um, was any threat 
promise or inducement held out to you in making this statement? That's one question. To which he would go, no. He wouldn't say, well, I was actually put in a stormwater drain and almost washed into Sydney Harbour. Because if he did that... They put him well, back in the drain. Probably put him back. So that's one of the techniques that they used to use during 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 interviews to uh, to um, to get certain information. That's really horrible. Um, I guess my question is, why would they do that in full view of a junior officer? Uh, they don't care. What 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 on earth would they? Would, I wouldn't say anything. You dob on them. You're joking, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm only talking about it now. It's taken How many this- years later is that? <laughs> uh, I guess my... Uh, co- probably close to 40 years after the incident. My question is this, Dad. If, okay, just put yourself in the mindset of, okay, so you're a detective, you're, you're bent a bit at least, you're scary, and you have just um, put a criminal inside a storm drain in a high flash flood in mm. front of a junior officer. Yep. You know that junior officer has seen it. Yep. It's 40 years later. You're smoking a cigar on some sort of chaise lounge being fed some grapes. I don't presume to know the specific, um, you know, proclivities of ex-detectives. And uh, you you get uh, this podcast slid across your desk, which is weird because it's an audio format. And it's not a physical thing. And you hear someone telling this story. Is there any universe in which you think that that detective listening to this would be put out by that? Or do you think he'd be like... Whatever. Not in the slightest. Okay. Nah, not a chance. Okay. Back in the day, back in those days, it was, you know, honestly. And and, and as I've said and to you on numerous occasions, Paul, yeah. why on earth would anyone fess up to something like that? What would the point be? Why would he, he or she go, oh, yeah, that was me? Sure. Not a chance. So, um, sure. yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, question. But, you know, they used to get results, these uh, these particular people. Um by hook or by crook. How often do you? How often did you see insane things being done by detectives that you thought were out of line? Mm, probably twice a week. Gee, okay. I thought you were just going to stop it twice. Um, twice a week, but also I saw a lot of uh, general duties police meter out bad shit as well. Yeah, as well. Yeah, we've we've you heard know. about some of that before. Yeah. Um, what's the? Because because I would have thought being put in a drain is pretty high concept. What's yeah, bad? What's what's something equally or more? strange and cruel that you saw <clears throat> detectives specifically dole out? Well, the worst thing um, that I've ever, ever, um, I'll rephrase that, uh, I guess the worst thing I'd ever uh, seen um, at a local level, Yeah. Um, so I'm not talking about the squads in the city, mm. uh, at the end of the month, um, in our command, the detectives always like to um, sort of have a bit of a clear-up rate. So, you know, for statistics, yeah, they'd like to um, have a lot of unsolved crimes solved and they didn't really care how they went about that. Right. So I've been really um, having a bit of a mental tug-of-war with this particular story I'm about to tell. You don't... Now, if you're feeling like you won't be safe telling no, it... No, 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 it's not a matter of safe... Okay. A, a long, a long, um, a long time has has moved on. We've moved on in terms of years. Yeah. Um, just I'll don't kind of. I'll, I'm just going to try and make it slightly generic. Okay. I, I, in fact, I've got a great way of um, 
of, of, of telling the story. Please do. <clears throat> I'm going to preface the story by saying, imagine if this story was to happen. Yeah. Okay. How's that sound? Great. Okay, so imagine, Paul and listeners, that let's hypothetically imagine you have got, say, 30 armed hold-ups that you just need to solve. Yeah. And, then, and of course, armed robberies back in the day were just, they were an hourly occurrence in Sydney all the time. In fact, they became so common that they just were not almost not newsworthy mm. because banks didn't have the, uh, the protective uh, devices that we now have. And there was a lot more cash in society. So imagine you want to clear up some unsolved crimes. So what you do is you go out and you get, uh, for example, imagine if you were to choose perhaps someone on heroin. So you bring them in, hypothetically speaking, yeah. and you string them out. By which you mean uh, d- deprive them of the heroin and they, they start to get frantic and go into... Yeah, um, and you've uh, got all with- the time in the world. And they're going through withdrawals at this Correct. point. And they're, they're going through withdrawal symptoms in front of you over a period of hours, even a day, you don't care. And you've got this massive stack of unsolved crimes. Right. Let's say, for example, 30. And this particular guy, in this case, hypothetically, that is strung out on heroin, mm. he's, he's really craving and craving... And it gets to the stage where he'll fess up to anything if he can get a fix. And then imagine if mysteriously and hypothetically the detectives had a stash of heroin in the detective's office in a locker with syringes and they bring it out and they put it in front of you. Just sitting there right in front of you. And you can have it. You can do what you like if you sign up to all these crimes. How's that sounding? That's pretty fucked. Hypothetically. That's, that's um So imagine that happening in the real world. What would happen if they got that on the record and let's say the the person took the heroin and then overdosed and then died? Is that not worse than having some crime solved to fill a quota at the end of the month? Well Isn't that more paperwork is what I'm saying? Uh Actually, that'd be from a police perspective. If they got that person to sign up to everything, then they passed away. That'd be a double a win-win for the police, really, wouldn't it? They would have solved all the crimes, and right. then no court case. I guess. I guess when you look at hypotheticals like that, wearing slippers and a dressing gun doesn't seem so bad, does it? Oh, it's all relative, but. You know, yeah, it's pretty heavy. Jesus Christ. But, um, I'm afraid these, uh, if you can just imagine that hypothetical incident happening in one area and then multiply it. Oh, like God. The domino effect. Oh, Jesus. Across Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Yeah. The world. You think it's a, you think it like hypothetically is a widely practiced thing? Uh, well, in certain countries now, without a doubt, 100%. Right. Um, Look, I, I think the police force now um, across Australia perhaps um, is definitely, you know, because we had the, some royal commissions into corruption and you know, police conduct and I think they've had a, a fairly dramatic, um, you know, effect. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a police officer from Manly and um, Manly had its fair share of dramas. A few police from Manly went to jail mm. and uh, 
they're so paranoid now at Manly that he jokingly said to me that if uh, someone drops 20 cents on the floor at Manly Police Station, it's still there a week later. Sure. You know, that's that's how things are now. Ironically, if the police at that station were um, forced to clean the station... They would have vacuumed it up. They would have vacuumed it right up. Correct. With that pleasing rattling noise. Yep. Uh, okay, well, I'd like to pivot away from um, hypothetical police corruption towards one of our listener questions. So... This question, uh, appropriately, given that this is the finale of season one of Loose Unions, the podcast, is from uh, Derek, uh, who runs Castaway Studios, where we're recording uh, the show. So Derek's got a question. It's not phrased like a question, but it is a question. I had a housemate in the in the job in the early 90s, and I often wondered if the combination of half-price... Ma- price ma- um, can I read this one again? <laughs> I'm getting nods. I had a housemate in the job in the early 90s and I often wondered if the combination of half-price Maccas for police combined with rotating shift work might have been a scary combo for people carrying a loaded weapon. Um, did you ever get cheap? Yeah, half-price McDonald's. Really? Yeah. And does this still happen? Yep, to this very day. At least in New South Wales, there's a little button on the, their cash register and it says police promo. Right. And they hit that and it's automatic 50 cents or 50 cents. <laughs> 50%. 50%. It's not next to the... Bu- I wouldn't pay 50 cents, personally. They're but not sponsors, are they, McDonald's? No. God, no. It, it, as long as that button's not next to the button you press when you're being robbed. Well, uh, that's the weird thing. I, I mean, I'd like to see the stats, and I doubt there's ever been a McDonald's held up. Really? Because there are police there all the time. Right. But look, in terms of uh, being, you know, eating shit food and doing shift work and carrying a gun, no, no correlation. <laughs> no. Okay. In fact, I'd be, I'd be more worried about working with police that, you know, are doing... You know, sort of, uh, you know, doing steroids and and sort of that sort of stuff. You think there's some beefy boys on the force? You know, ro- uh, roid rage, really, which was actually tried to be used as a defence in a famous murder, but it failed. But I've seen some people on roids that are scary. Really? Yeah. What I, is it? I worked with one of them, and on duty, he put his fist through a uh, door, which is a pretty amazing. Well, if the door's open, there's no problem. The door was closed. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're a funny guy, Paul. Thanks, Dad. Oh my God! Yeah, it was also oh, don't worry about it. What do you mean? <laughs> story. You can. You no, can. No. No. You can, no, no, no. Time out. Right. That's the please change the subject yeah. thing, which happens occasionally during the show. It doesn't often stay on the mic. Um, have there been any other people who've gotten in touch uh, since the book was written? Uh, since the last time we asked this question, I've had nothing but incredible, glowing, lovely comments. Okay. From X. Ex-police, not all of them I worked with, but you know some of them. I'm a little bit surprised we haven't heard anything from Corrective Services about that horrendous story. Um, Which one? The one about hiring out the uh, the Thai uh, transsexuals as sort of sex slaves in Long Bay Jail. I'm surprised nothing ever came of that, but just goes to show you there are certain things they just don't want to talk about. Even no matter how many years later, it's still a it's still a terrible thing. Yeah, that prison episode was pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't ha- heard the prison episode, go back and listen. And uh, I mean, parenthetically, I think it's worth adding that um, if you haven't listened to every episode of this season, um, we really do have gone some very strange places mm. and some very, very dark places. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of places that Dad was surprised he went. The, the mic was on and he just... True, true, true. But what talking. I would like to say in closing for this particular season... Mm is that, um, and I've said it quite a few times before, is that we've, we've just scratched the surface and my stories from forensics and fingerprints make the last 15 episodes seem hmm, fairly tame. Now, what you've done, Dad, is you've set um, a pretty big challenge 
but you've also implied that once the forensic stuff gets aired, uh, this will serve no purpose because it will be tamed by comparison. Yeah, well, it's the, the forensic stories are mind blowing. Yeah, um, they are They're really incredible. Good. Now, they are just so wow. The first episode of this podcast was hosted on um, uh, Michelle Laurie, her uh, amazing Australian true crime podcast, and in that episode actually on on that show uh we were interviewed and you told a story from the forensics era Mm. so if you want to head across um to the australian true crime podcast and have a listen to dad tell a story from the forensics era which isn't in this and uh if we ever do anything uh wink wink related to the forensics period which you know is gonna happen um that story will be featured pretty prominently so if you want like an uh, like a like an early preview like a sneak peek behind the curtain at the forensics period and what kind of stuff you can expect it's basically like dexter but from the other side of the of the tape it's amazing stuff um, and also can i just say to my to my one uh uh friend listener that commented on uh when they were listening in one ear in one ear yes. so we were i was in one end you were in the other mm. so that hopefully that's been um because that was because I was in Thailand when we were Skyping, which was you know not perfect, but it needed to be. We needed to maintain that continuity. But now that I've been coming back to Melbourne, I, I hope the listeners are really happy with the quality from this fantastic studio we're in. It's great. Um, yeah, if you're ever in Melbourne and want a podcast, uh, yeah, do head along to Castaway. They're, they're great. Um, thank you so much for listening to this season of Loose Units, the podcast. Thank you to all of you for all the amazing words of kindness and all the feedback. Uh, thanks to everyone on the Facebook uh, page and the discussion boards. Um, thank you for the ratings and reviews on iTunes. Thank you to all of you who run across uh, and have supported Ruler Mark, Tegan Higginbotham's amazing uh, podcast about French culture. Uh, that It's just a whole, like, you couldn't get more different to loose units and you've been so supportive. Um, thank you to everyone for reading the book, for reading Loose Units, the book, the whole reason we're here. Um, and thank you to Dad for, uh, for all his amazing stories. We'll be back very soon with uh, a new season of Loose Units, the podcast. But in the meantime, why not tide yourself over by grabbing Loose Units, the audiobook, which is available everywhere. Anything else you want to say, Dad? You want, to, you want the final word? Uh, that'd be very nice of you. But no, I'll leave it to you. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.